Welcome to the Inside Data Center podcast. I'm Andy Davis, and in this podcast, I will interview the people working in the data center sector and tell their stories. If you are working in the DC sector or you are looking to work in the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Inside Data Center podcast. Today, I'm joined by Waleed Zafar, Mission Critical Director at XYZ Reality. Good afternoon, Waleed. How are we doing? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for coming on. Great to get the opportunity to share your story and obviously hear about the amazing technology that your companies bring into the sector, which is uh, I know had a huge impact already. So looking forward to hearing a bit more about that. Before we start, just want to give a quick introduction of who you are and what your role is at XYZ. Yeah, sure. Uh, Willie Zafar, Director of Mission Critical here at XYZ. Uh, I've been with XYZ uh, for a little over five and a half years now. Um, I actually joined the business as the first employee. Um, and so kind of uh, when, you know, uh, we started off kind of four of us couldn't swing a cat in the room type story, you know, and and kind of scaled up to where we are today, you know, with close to 100, oh, I think over 100 staff now at this point in time, you know, developed the world's most accurate augmented reality headset specific for construction as well and deployed all across the world. So, um, yeah, it's been a hell of a journey. So uh, excited to be uh talking with you today so really appreciate the invite no it's a pleasure and you're right and we're going to do this. it's an amazing story i think i've followed the journey and it is you know it's amazing what you've done as a business but also for the sector and for construction as a whole really it's had a huge impact across the board where i always like to start is kind of go back to the beginning just to get an idea of you know how you started in the industry so how did you first start your career and how did you end up in the world of data centers sure so my story is a bit odd in the sense that I come from a finance background, right? Kind of studied accounting and finance at uni and then uh, went on to go work at uh, PwC, working in their corporate finance team, focusing on mergers and acquisitions. You know, spreadsheets was my life, basically, uh, for the longest part. And then left that to go pursue a master's at London Business School. And then in my first week there, I bumped into this tall, crazy Irish man named David. Uh, Mitchell, uh, who's founder and CEO of XYZ, and he told me about this crazy idea he had of builders building from holograms and getting rid of 2D drawings, right? And me coming from a background of neither construction nor tech, I thought, okay, this sounds interesting. Looked into it, but I was like, I think there's a significant opportunity here to make a real impact to society. And um, I was supposed to kind of, uh, straight after the master's, I was going to go off to Abu Dhabi, so I'm going to go work for a sovereign wealth fund, uh, but ended up declining it um, so that I could pursue this opportunity with David and, and uh, XYZ. So it's been a hell of a journey from, from that point forward. Yeah, and I think, again, like a fascinating story about, about the, the organisation and, and, mm-hmm. and how you found it. Always stumble across these opportunities, which is crazy in itself. But how did you find it then? Because you know, one of the things people always ask me is, particularly about data centers is like if I come from another industry, it's quite challenging to get into it. It's hard to understand. Yeah. You, you came from a accountancy background into construction yeah. and also data centers. So how was it for you when you first sort of stumbled across a building and tried to understand? Oh, absolutely huge learning curve, but kind of I had, I had um, Dave to kind of rely on in that sense, you know, and so kind of, and this will probably provide a bit more context about us and our journey in that, so Dave's background and his story is that, you know, he kind of, his, his father was a builder, his you know, entire family you know, from the construction section uh, sector. And, you know, he grew up in the West Coast of Ireland. Uh, you know, first tool was a shovel and kind of really worked his way up through the ranks, right? 
then the recession hit in 08 uh, and uh, for all of his sins, he practiced to become an architect, right? And he actually practiced that in Paris for a period of time uh, before coming back to kind of commercial construction projects in London. So he worked on Battersea Power Station, the Shard, and a number of other kind of projects. And then what ended up happening in 2016, I want to say, uh, was that um, the company he was working for, J Coffee Construction, uh, they uh, got a, a big contract to go work on a data center project in Ireland. Right. And uh, what ended up happening was that essentially signed up, uh, but at this point in time, you know, Dave was obsessed with this notion of paperless construction, right? And when they signed up to the, the project, they had the models, but they didn't have the drawings. And so it was taking them, you know, it was taking him and three draftsmen, you know, three days to keep, you know, a hundred odd workers going for one day, right? And so it just wasn't sustainable. And obviously schedule slipping and the pressures and the schedule and everything else in between, right? And so, you know, he was working on this proof of concept and he was like, right, I'm going to, let's, we need to go for it. And essentially he was able to do it, which was basically take model information, port it into engineering instruments in the field and then straight into the ground. And all of a sudden, everything flipped on his head from 20 minutes of prep time from his side, he kept the site going for three days. So all of a sudden they inverted everything and they saw like a five X improvement in efficiency. And it was a huge, huge success. Now at that point in time, the problem was, was I only worked for elements below ground, right? In that, you know, you're porting model information into a total station and the laser pointers point to the ground, but how does it work for MEP, right? When things are kind of like midair, right? And then that's when you realize the solution would be holograms and augmented reality. At which point in time, he then turned around to, you know, his employers. He's like, listen, you know, this has got legs, huge opportunity. I, you know, I want to start this business. You can't stop me. And, and they were kind enough to go, listen, don't go anywhere. We want to invest in the business, right? Because we believe in this and we believe in you. And that's actually how we got our first funding round as well. And so uh, they've been on the journey with us ever since. So that's kind of how... XYZ started as a business um, and kind of when we actually started off as a business um, in order to be able to make a bit of revenue, we actually set up our own laser scanning subsidiary and we scanned a number of hyperscale data center projects across Europe, including one in, in, in Denmark and a few other spots. And, and that's kind of how my first exposure came into the data center world was kind of through managing uh, the teams there and, uh, I don't think I appreciated the scale or the complexity of the job kind of going into it, but then going through the process, understanding that it was, it was like a really big learning curve for myself. So like, I really appreciated kind of going through that because um, I learned a lot about the industry from that experience alone. Yeah. And a great, a great background to it as well. So thanks for that. And I, I think like there's a number of points I picked up of that, but the, the, I love how these ideas come from a, simple kind of challenge that somebody just looks at in a unique way and says we could do this with this and solve this problem and that's how you know, that's how most things come about isn't it so but you, you've got to be a certain way to come up with those ideas so no definitely and, and interesting to hear obviously how you found the sector because I'm a big believer that it's it's not as complicated as it looks from the outside once you get on the inside but it's really hard to get on the inside so good exposure there um brings us nicely on to xyz I'm sure the majority of people listening have heard of you and know what know what you do, but you just want to give a quick overview of what you offer and the products that you you've got available to the sector. Sure. So 
kind of when we were a laser scanning business, oftentimes, you know, essentially what we were doing were kind of um, going on site, scanning uh, different rooms, creating this giant point cloud information, cleaning it up and overlaying it against the design. And then we used to see deviations quite consistently. And that's deviation between what was designed for versus what was actually built on site. And so how often this occurred was actually 80% of works being built on site are actually out of tolerance. And this isn't by like an average of five to 10 millimeters. This is on average 200 millimeters, right? Now, the problem was, was that laser scanning cannot fundamentally keep up with the pace of construction. And so all we were essentially doing was getting paid to tell clients about their problems. We weren't able to prevent them. And so that was the kind of, the problem statement we wanted to change, right? How do we move away from a reactive process to a proactive process? And, and that's kind of where we really come in, right? And so the way to do that is essentially, if you can see what you need to build, you're going to build it right the first time. Build it right the first time, you eliminate the reworking clashes that so often plague sites today. And so then that's why we've built uh, the Atom. It's the world's most accurate augmented reality headset, the world's first engineering grade augmented reality headset. And essentially what we're able to do is position hyperscale BIM models out on site with millimeter accuracy. And so that's what we've been able to develop. Yeah, and I know you've done, like you touched on a few projects earlier and obviously people can find these videos as well on, you know, events, for example, and the like. And it's had a, a massive impact on, Obviously, we're here talking about data centers, but I know it's other projects as well, but it's had a huge impact on the sector, hasn't it? And how data centers are actually being built compared to how they were pre your product. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to see the mindset shift as well, because, look, you know, construction has a bad reputation for not being adopters of technology and, you know, kind of our, or at least kind of like being in the industry now for five and a half years, what's clear to me is actually that technology kind of failed the industry, not, not the other way around, right? Is And so, you know, everybody's a bit, you know, a bit scared, a bit worried because, oh, it's such a nightmare being able to upskill yourself. You know, they're not easy, simple tools to use, et cetera, et cetera. So whenever we launch on a project, everybody's very skeptical, right? It happens every project, regardless of what stage we're at. And, there's a moment on the job site within the first couple of weeks, a penny drops, something happens, a headset catches it and everybody then understands it. And then everybody's then looking at it through the lens of being proactive versus the traditional reactive. And the mindset shift is so rapid as well. And so uh, that's for me, like one of the best parts to see is kind of people's attitudes change and they're looking at it lens going, why are we reacting to everything? You know, how can we get ahead of time? Right? How can we foresee the risks at hand? How can we de-risk everything as well? And, and that's been the biggest change that we've seen. Yeah, and I guess, and just think about that when you're talking, you, we're, I'm a big believer at that point, especially in the data center sector where you've got quite a generation shift between ages of people. So we're still in that, you know, kind of people towards the latter part of their career as a majority, but yeah. there's that, younger generation that's kind of knocking on the door now and starting to push them forward and you've probably come in to and you're having to change the mindset of the the latter the people in the latter part of their career but you've also got those younger generation that are like you know they're into things like augmented reality and they're excited about this how this changes so you've probably come in kind of in the middle of that period haven't you and that's quite a difficult position to be in yeah it's difficult and unique as well because it's is serving both kind of sides of the table at the same time, right? But ultimately, everybody's there like, you know, oh, you know, it must be such a challenge trying to get some of the, the older guys to be able to be onboarded with everything. 
And in my head, I'm like, you know, everybody's got an iPhone ultimately, right? You know, that's, that's the latest and greatest piece of tech, you know, and they all know how to use it, right? So why should anything else be as difficult as an iPhone, right? If it's as simple as an iPhone, people will adopt it, people will use it. And that's basically kind of why we've developed the product the way we've done it, right? It should be simple, easy uh, to use, and it just makes everybody's lives easier. Everybody's onboarded much faster as a result of it too. Yeah, and I, I, I like your point as well about it being a mindset because I find that, you know, I'm early 40s and it's a similar position with myself. You know, someone says, oh, you can do that on an app or whatever it is, and you're like, yeah, whatever. And then you try it and then that's all you do. You don't, yeah. you don't go back. But that initial sort of change is what I guess – it's that growth mindset, isn't it? Perspective, like you're trying to see things differently to, to help you develop. And it's kind of, that's what tech, a lot of tech is doing. And obviously net zero and carbon neutral is a big point that everybody's talking about at the moment, especially in the world of data centers. And no doubt your products and your company can have quite a big impact on that. So how are you sort of working with organizations to, to impact the, you know, the race to achieving net zero? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we've spent a lot of time thinking about this and kind of going through our own data points and what's out there in the industry as well, right? And what we do know for fact is that, you know, 30% of all construction activities are rework activities, right? So if you're considering that from the point of view of a uh, data center, right? In other words, you're talking about 30% of human capital time being allocated towards fixing things that could have been built right the first time, right? So... It's kind of like from a sustainability angle, that's one point, right? There's a lot of time wasted in general. You can actually deliver an asset. There's an opportunity, there's a significant opportunity actually in being able to deliver the asset much faster if things are built right the first time. The second point is the fact that because of this significant amount of rework that actually happens on project sites, you know, what we do also know is that you know, up to 10% of all materials are actually wasted on site through rework. So that right there, if you're thinking about the size, the complexity of the build, all the ductwork, all the hangers, and everything else that goes into it, and 10% of every piece of material that you've purchased is going to waste, that's a huge, huge carbon footprint there. And that's where we're also able to help resolve the challenge in and of itself. So that's kind of where our kind of focus is, is it being able to provide the industry with a sustainability kind of proactive approach, if you like. And have you found since, again, another couple of points that come out from that, obviously supply chain is a big challenge as well. And when you talk about rebuild, reworks and delays, et cetera. Um, but have you found that since there's been more challenges in the industry, so I guess since net zero has become more um, apparent and everybody's pushing towards it, since we've had the major impacts on supply chains, you know, everything, everything's combined at once, that customers are more interested to speak with you i guess to try and eliminate as much of those challenges as they can by using some by building differently yeah absolutely and i know like you know we've heard it a number of times with different guests that's come onto your podcast there about how covid's been such an accelerator for technological adoption etc you know people are trying to figure out ways of being able to not travel as much to site etc right and so we we found huge kind of uh, like an uplift from our side, you know, COVID hit, everything goes quiet. And then all of a sudden, you know, the phone's ringing and it's just like, listen, we need you on a project here, here and here. You know, we want to be able to live stream into the headset, see the model overlaid. We're not able to fly in to do these inspections. Can we do it remotely? And, you know, we, we developed a tool that was able to do that. Right. And, and that was a huge positive. And I think people are, 
kind of more focus on the sustainability angles. Like, you know, I've, I've seen a number of different project sites now that are shifting away from like, you know, diesel generators, you know, to, even for the, the lights there on site, the floodlights on site, shifting towards a more sustainable angle. They're actually counting it. They're actually tracking the data now, right? And I appreciate that, you know, sometimes the data can be skewed or it could be, you know, you're looking at one thing, uh, but then you're not considering the whole picture as well, the whole context of it. But ultimately, it's a great starting point. We're tracking all these things. And ultimately, that's how you improve as an, as an industry, as a sector. Yeah, and I think, and you're obviously seeing it driven down, aren't you, from the top? You know, the customers at the very top are the ones that are now starting to say, you need to be doing this. And if you want to continue working with us, then you need to be achieving this, which is, again, why you suddenly see this interest in utilising more tech to have impacts across the, whether it's, as I say, whether it's to do with sustainability, supply chain or anything, it's, it's all driven by that customer at the end of the chain. Exactly right. Exactly. Yeah, it is a top-down driven agenda, right? And you have to provide the incentives for the supply chain to be able to adopt. But we've seen it, right? Like as in, we've seen the evidence that if the incentives are there for the supply chain to adopt, they will, right? And so, and I think that's how we got to look at it as an industry as a whole. So, like, okay, if we want things to improve in the sector, we as an industry leaders have to come together, agree upon it, and then push it down for the rest of the supply chain to then follow suit. Yes, there's going to be some pains and growing pains whenever there's change. There's always pain, right? But ultimately, after you go through that, coming out the other side, you're in a much better spot. So I think it's just better for the industry as a whole. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. And do you think that we'll see more tech coming into you know, construction generally over the next few years as, again, as, as obviously more tech's created, but also as more organizations are open to adopting the technology? Absolutely. Like we're seeing so much tech being developed out in the space, right? You know, you've seen early signs of robotics in the space. And then, you you, you know, like I look back and I'm there like, yeah, the iPad was like one of the greatest revolutions for the construction industry, right? You know, went from looking at drawings on, you know, taking them outside to then just looking at drawings on an iPad, right? You know, it's a step change. Ultimately, it's, it's positive, right? And I think one of the biggest enabler for construction technologies has actually been BIM in general. Right, the adoption of BIM has enabled to branch out into so many other sectors. So, you know, you can then tag along with AI and machine learning. You can then tag along with augmented reality and virtual reality. Tag along there with you know 360 cameras and photogrammetry and the likes. And so, BIM has been a really positive enabler for the construction sector as a whole in being able to develop new technology pieces that can also fit into the ecosystem in and of itself. Yeah, and I think, and we'll talk about talent quickly, but I also think that technology is a way to attract more people to the sector. You know, I, I'm a massive believer that if we were going to universities and, and showing examples or colleges or schools, whatever it is, about your technology and how we use that in, in data centres, they're going to be much more interested in that conversation than they are me turning up with a picture of a facility and saying, here's a big building that we built. You know, it, that that tech is the way to attract more people. So, and I know you've, you've probably talked about it before, but you know, how was your technology or how can it impact that talent shortage as well that we're experiencing everywhere across the world? Hugely so. So like the way I can summarize it best is that, you know, speaking with kind of the industry leaders, et cetera, you know, we can kind of bucket the challenges in threefold, right? Challenge one is just a general need to be able to de-risk the projects, right? You know, these projects are getting larger in scale, they're more complex and the schedules are getting tighter. Right? There's just a general need to be able to de-risk it. Then you add to the mix the fact that you have the labor shortages as well. 
right? And so it's very hard to find experienced talent, right? Because the industry, you know, was in, was in its infancy, ultimately, right? So naturally, there is a shortage of experienced talent going in. So what ends up happening is that you have inexperienced talent leading and trying to manage these hugely complex assets, right? And then what ends up happening is that you have clients who are building data centers all across Europe, all across America, and they have one. They might have one unbelievable project that's taken place in in, uh, in Ireland, right? But then the next one in France is a disaster, right? And, and it could be even the same GC at times, right? And again, like you know, this disparity comes from nothing other than the fact that you know it's different people who are ultimately leading these projects, and kind of the supply chain is different at times as well, and the people leading them. And so then you end up with inconsistent qualities then. And so ultimately the biggest bridge that you can provide is technology in the sense that you need to be able to get the inexperienced to the same level as the experience, right? And the best way possible to be able to do that is technology, right? And it could be in so many different formats, right? And so like kind of speaking to us and what we've been able to do is kind of really and truly like upskill engineers to be able to go from, you know, not knowing how to build a data center whatsoever to then having a 4D model that's in front of them right before their eyes. They're understanding and seeing the sequence of the build. They, they can clearly see which elements and which assets are about to be installed on the critical path, which one they need to be focused more on in order to be able to ensure timely project delivery. So they have all this information out at the fingertips, right? Which would have previously taken you know, 15 years to be able to get up to speed, right? And that's where technology can kind of really bridge the gap. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, and we're seeing it as well. We're seeing it, obviously, from our side across, across the industry. You know, you, you're getting those roles in the sector now that are related to tech. So, you know, we want someone to be responsible for coordinating and managing our tech portfolio on our projects. You know, that, that tells you in itself that there's change happening with, within some organisations. So, yeah, it's great to see. And it would definitely help uh, help me anyway. When, yeah. <laughs> if, we can, if we can reduce our requirements a little bit, that'd be great. Um before we go on to more sector-specific questions, you know, what, what's, the, what's next for you guys? You know, what, what's on the horizon for, for XYZ? Sure. So we've, we've spent a significant amount of time focusing on quality, right, uh, and developing a solution that can benefit the quality aspect. Uh, so we look at the golden triangle, right? So time, cost, and quality, right? So quality was our kind of first point of call, right? So we built out the headset and everything else in between. Second point of call for us was time, right? How do we link everything together and such that we can actually de-risk the actual delivery of the asset and everybody has real-time data. It's completely objective. There's no subjectivity to it. It's, it's fact, right? And what that does then, it just eliminates all the heats from the conversation. So like, this is the state of play on site. And so the focus for us thereafter is going to be around cost as well. And, and there you have the golden triangle. And so for us, that's kind of what we're focusing on. Um, going forward, so it's a really exciting time for everyone here at the business. Yeah, and like you said, you know, you've grown rapidly already. So, there's, there's going to be no doubt significant growth again over the next few years as well. From a sector as a whole, you know, we've touched on a lot of challenges already. To be totally honest, obviously, you know, it, you the, what you do impacts a lot of the challenges and, and has an influence on it, but. What are you seeing in the market at the moment as the main challenges as we head into 2023? I think generally there's still a supply side shortage, right? And that's still kind of um, pending, if you like, being resolved. So oftentimes, 
you know, you might have a schedule that says, you know, delivery dates on these aspects must be installed by these aspects. And for whatever reason, it's, it's slipping and it's no fault of, you know, anybody really. It's just the suppliers are, are going through, still going through the challenges that were COVID, right? So supply side shortages is something that we've seen quite often across the industry. Labor shortages is the other significant one, right? You know, the number of data centers that have been built now are astronomical, right? And, and it's still not enough. And so inevitably, you're going to have inexperienced people who are going to have to step up and bravely so at the same time, right? And put their own neck on the line at, at times as well and try to manage these complex projects. And, and so we're seeing that more and more and more. And I think... From that point then, the the kind of third biggest challenge that we're seeing is that people are a lot more data-driven, but what they're also realizing is the fact that a lot of their data isn't, isn't accurate, right? It's out of date, you know, six to eight weeks at times. It's entirely subjective. And so they're going, right, how do we improve this, right? Because if we can't measure it, we can't fix it. So we need to be able to better measure it. And so that's the third biggest challenge that we're seeing across the space. Yeah, and I think I always I always say it, the, the irony of the data center using data to, to improve will never fail yeah. to make, make me raise my eyebrows. But no, it's you, you're dead right. And I think that goes across all industries, doesn't it? The way we use data is going to influence everything about what we do going forward. I think we've now got the, the capability to analyze data. You've obviously got... AI and the like, and you know, chat GPTs come in and made everyone realize that AI exists, even though it's existed for a while. So I think things like that are going to change business as a whole, aren't they? And who, and who utilizes the data and what you can take from the data will influence the decisions you make to, to grow as an organization. That's my That's it. Yeah, absolutely. And we're seeing that from the supply chain. I mean, like oftentimes we go through an education process, right? And just a simple question on your last project. How much did rework cost you guys, both direct and indirect? And no one can give you an answer. And ultimately, it's because no one wanted to track that information and look in that level of detail, right? And no one wants to share it. And ultimately, if, we need, if we're going to get better as an industry, we need to be able to track these things, share this information so we can improve everybody across the supply chain as a whole, because it's ultimately going to benefit everybody in the market today. Yeah, definitely. And, and the other point on on talent as well, with regards to the new markets, it's something again I always talk about. You know, we, we're starting to build. We'll just pick Africa as an example. Yeah. We're starting to build in regions where there is simply no talent. So yeah. what do you do? You have to use talent from other industries. You can't bring it all in. It's just not feasible. So you therefore need tech to be able to help those people build. So I think again, that's where you'll probably see a lot of the impact from software like yourselves and other technology in those areas where there simply isn't the people with the experience to be able to build these facilities and the the customers at the top of the tree are now making the moves to build there so that's going to change everything right? and, and one thing i would say is that like it's a bit of a call to action if you like for technology vendors is really to kind of like sit down with client and customers and like truly be a partner with them in being able to solve these challenges if they're building in regions like this like support go through workshops understand the challenges specific to that region in and of itself right and really develop out a solution that can resolve their challenges because sometimes often you know we, we've seen it like you know go like this is what we do 
this is all we do, right? But like, that's not going to work if we're trying to build a new frontiers and, and change the industry as a whole. We really need to kind of get down into nitty gritty details and see how we can optimize further and further and further. And you might end up creating a bespoke product, but oftentimes more than anything else is that if one customer is going through those challenges, everybody else is as well, right? And so it's it's oftentimes they can't see the trees from the forest and I'd like to see that change from technology vendors as a whole. Yeah, no, it's a great point. And I think, and before we move on, I think that the sector's been too busy, is my view. And I've said it mm. quite a few times that to actually create change, because it's like build, 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 and you know, something else changes, something else happens, then we have COVID, then we have the supply chain challenges, then we have the war in Ukraine, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. There's always something going on that's impacting it. And economy just needs that period, doesn't it? Settle down a little bit create these type of innovations and bring them into the sector and like you say have those conversations with with each other yeah i think with yeah but i think with the demand of everything going on right i I think it's impossible for the sector to stop right and so it's it's kind of going okay like how on earth do we do both simultaneously like fix the plane and fly at the same time right and i think that's that's really where the best are going to be able to figure that out and those who don't try, they will fall behind. And, and, and this is what we're going to end up seeing, in my opinion, over the course of the next kind of five to 10 years. It's really the everybody looking like they're the same. And then over the course of five years, there's going to be a bit of a divergence accordingly. No, I agree with that point. We won't go into it, though, because it'll be another 20-minute. A <laughs> um, couple of final questions before we close up and, and, let, and let you get on with your day. If you could ask everyone in the data center sector to start or stop doing one thing, what would it be? From a start doing start doing perspective, I would say understand where your data is coming from, right? And track in more detail. And and ultimately the reason why I say this is because I've seen it so many times now, right? Everybody's like, grand, yeah, we're getting all this data. And then you just, you know, you look underneath the veil, behind the veil there, and you just say like, oh, Jesus, this is this is not the one, right? It's not ideal. It's all subjective. It's all out of date. It's just some fella on, on an Excel sheet typing it in, and they're feeding into a Power BI dashboard to make it look pretty for a client. But And it's absolutely no reflection as to what's actually occurring on site. And so, you know, track, understand the details and the data, where it's coming from, and invest in being able to, collect it better because ultimately you're going to be the better uh, the beneficiary of all of that yeah again great point and final question before we close up if you could give one piece of advice to anyone looking to work in the data center sector what would it be i think like looking back as kind of my experience i think like kind of seeing the build from start to finish was a huge eye-opening uh, moment for me right and i think there's enough out there in terms of resources and being able to understand the build sequence right understand where you know challenges are what does a standard critical path look like and i think if you're able to understand all of that there's a huge amount of value that you can add into every single conversations whether it be through interviews or whether it be you know your first week on site but you have an understanding of what you need to look for and i think that's a piece of homework that everybody can do uh, and it's going and it's ultimately going to benefit you the project and the sector as a whole. Yeah, and I think, and like we talked about before we, we came on online, the, the fact that companies like yourself are now sharing those videos means mm-hmm. people are able to do it because, again, going back to our earlier conversation, 
the industry was too closed, so people weren't able to view the, the build yeah. process. But, you know, now they can go to your YouTube channel and, and others as well and obviously have a look and see it in real life and do their homework before they're going into the interview or starting their career. So, yeah, no, it's a really great point. And thanks for to you guys for starting to share some videos as well because it really helps. No, listen, I think generally thanks to you uh, for starting this podcast, you know, ultimately like as an outsider looking in to start with i would have loved to have had listened to all the podcast episodes at the start of my career xyz it would have really provided me with a lot of insights that i needed at the time right and i think you're doing a great service for the industry for the sector as a whole and we need more of it right and i think you know more conversations like this people have the more open they're going to be the more free they're going to be and and that that builds a resource bank that allows everybody to learn from you know yeah exactly and it, it, i always say it scares me the fact that these aren't going anywhere and in however many years someone will be able to listen back to it and i yeah. might be long gone by that point but that's a, that's a story for another day but thanks very much for your time like i as you know i find it fascinating what you what you, your organization has done and the journey's an amazing journey as well how quickly it's grown from like you say in five years to, to where it's at today but i'm sure you're happy for anyone to reach out to you directly if they've got any yes. questions or want to learn more yeah absolutely so you know feel free to go on the website we just got it nicely revamped so hopefully it can explain kind of uh, our journey our story and kind of the challenges that we look to uh, solve for and then feel free to reach out to uh, anyone from the team or myself directly on on linkedin um yeah really appreciate everybody in the industry's kind of spending the time no thanks for your time we'll catch up again in the future and obviously all the best of everything going forward no, thank you very much andy appreciate it